Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with um, David Eby going after Kevin Falcon here, the BC United leader, Mm -hmm. leader of the opposition in the legislature. Now, remember, before Falcon started his comeback into BC politics, he had transitioned to the private sector in the real estate business. Yes, Anthem Properties. Anthem Properties was the company. And, you know, you got EB, he seizes on this. I think you're going to hear this a lot more. Oh, yeah. Trying to paint him as a real estate uh, developer. He flagged that messaging at the party convention last weekend where several references to Kevin Falcon as the developer. Yeah. the, The development... Developer industry was somehow responsible for all the problems in housing. So this is this is going to be a recurrent theme from the NDP. And then, of course, Falcon has his response to that, that this is not about him being a developer. It's about him having experience in the private sector business world. Yeah, I asked Falcon about it. I asked Falcon about it yesterday, and I want to play that clip here and get your thoughts. But let's listen to EB first. So here is here's David EB going after Falcon in a speech at the NDP convention on the weekend. Listen. For decades... Governments made a deliberate decision to pull out of building the housing that people needed. That deliberately opened the door to speculators who bought and flipped homes and rental units for a profit. One of them is leading the party that we're running against in British Columbia right now. Driving up the cost of housing for everybody. Okay, calling out Falcon there for his involvement in private sector real estate. Now, I I asked Falcon about this yesterday, Keith, on the show. Mm -hmm. Here's what he had to say. Let's listen. Imagine the horror of having somebody as premier that actually knows a thing or two about the housing sector. I mean, come on. Like, this is, they have never, they haven't spent, David Eby has not spent five minutes working in the private sector to understand how it works. Your thoughts? Well, Falcon's got to be careful here. He's already got an image problem. His approval rating is very low. Um, His party's, you know, flagging in the polls. Yeah. I'm not sure painting yourself as a developer is necessarily the best um, Hugh to po- color yourself in. I mean, it does leave him open to attacks from the, the NDP. I asked him, I, I looked up his CV here last night because I just wanted to check what exactly did he do in the private sector real estate world? Now, he did work for Anthem Properties and one of their uh, other comp- affiliated companies called Anthem Capital. And his job was to raise capital from institutional and individual investors for real estate projects. So he would have been wheeling and dealing with banks and rich people yeah. to pour money into real estate projects. And he says, actually, not as that's not a negative like the way that EB is painting it as. He says this is actually a positive. Here's what he had to say to me about that yesterday, and then I'll get your thoughts. I actually think some experience in the private sector, I wasn't in the development side, I was on the capital side of the business, but nevertheless, I think some experience actually would be a good thing right now unless people like the results that they're seeing. Your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> that could be true, but I do think he's vulnerable on this, yeah. and he's left a, a, a big hole for the NDP to drive a truck through. Yeah. And you're going to hear a lot of this because the housing crisis is still going to be a crisis come the next election. It's not like it's going to be solved overnight. 
developers, private sector developers, are going to be painted as the bogeyman by the NDP, and they're going to put uh, Kevin Falcon right at the heart of it. Okay, let me ask you about another big topic this week, and that is both opposition, major opposition parties here, BC United, Falcons Party, and the rising BC Conservative Party here, now both saying that they would basically cancel the government's climate change plan. Falcon told me on the show yesterday he would scrap the Clean BC program, he would cancel the emission reduction targets here over the next seven years, the B.C. Conservative Party is saying they will axe the tax, can't completely cancel the B.C. carbon tax. E.B. standing is ground on it. What's your analysis on this? Well, <clears throat> I think the government's a little vulnerable on this. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I don't think a lot of people think we can attain a 40% reduction in, in emissions without some damage to the economy. Yeah. So Ken Peacock, the chief economist of B.C. Business Council, his analysis using the government's own numbers yeah is that it would drain $28 billion out of the provincial economy uh, over a number of years, lose something like 11,000 jobs or something. The opposition has seized on that yeah. as proof that, that the, the NDP's plan would wreak uh, economic havoc. Now, this is all modeling and yeah. projections that take us well past the next election. So we're talking about something that may or may not happen uh, in seven years from now. Um, so it's it's a bit of a an arguing over something that doesn't really exist. Uh, but I still think, and you and I have talked about this before, that there's a good chance the government's going to offer some sort of rebate scheme or hydro rate freeze or something to do with uh, with tied to the carbon tax. Yeah. Uh, or not raise the carbon tax on April first. Yeah. As occurs every year. Freeze it. I think something's going to happen. Even though Evie doubled down on the carbon tax on the weekend convention, yes. he really defended it both in his speech and in a Q&A with reporters afterwards. Yeah. Um, I still think you can keep the carbon tax but still offer some sort of financial relief. And I think that's what's – you know, I've said that before. I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of the February budget. If you take a look at these opinion polls right now, E.B. got a good lead for the NDP less than a year out from an election, and he, his opponents are divided. You've got this B.C. Liberals and B.C. Conservatives now duking it out. B.C. United now. That's oh, the new name of the B.C. Liberal. Put a quarter in the jar. Put a quarter in the swear jar. Uh, so it, right now they must be laughing. They're looking at these two guys sort of duking it out and trying to outdo each other on rolling back climate change initiatives in the province, and they must think that's a pretty good spot for them to be in if their opponents are divided. But maybe they could get a false sense of security here because yeah. I, I got I, I got the feeling, too, that people could start to listen, especially with the cost of living pressures we have in B.C. right now. Yeah, we've talked about this before. With the cost of living, uh, a concern that it hasn't been in decades. Yeah. You know, we, we went along with the carbon tax going up every year. No one really made it an issue politically um, for years. Yeah. It was an issue when it first came in. The NDP ironically campaigned against it in the 2009 election and lost badly. Um, the Liberals were the one who brought it in. Now you've got the Liberals' successor, the BC United Party, firmly against it, uh, Which I because I think they're trying to outflank the BC Conservatives. Yeah. So the BC Conservatives yeah. are rising in the polls. They are a threat to the BC United. Uh, and they've got, and that's why I think you're seeing the BC United Party move to the right. Yeah shift to the right to, to mop up any disaffected conservative voters. It leaves them vulnerable in hanging on to the center, yeah. where the bulge of the, victor, of the electors are. Yeah. And that's why the NDP has to be careful not to go too left. Uh, yeah. And maybe that's an issue that we're seeing unfold right now, is, is the carbon tax and some of the climate um, action policies a little too to the left yeah. for some people who now worry about affordability. 
And maybe that's the opening the United Conservatives are going for. But as long as those two parties remain split yeah. at like 20% each, um, there could be 80% opposition to the carbon tax. That still is an NDP win. Well, I also think, though, it, it's uh, – I agree with you. I think that EB might budge on the carbon tax a little bit, though, too. Yeah. You know, I think he's got to offer something, and we may see that and in the Hydra spring. And is the perfect vehicle to do something. Yeah. We've seen that before. I mean, Glenn Clark in the 96 election froze hydro rates. Sure. He was Mr. Freeze. He froze ICBC, yeah. froze hydro, froze ferry rates. Um, it's an effective thing to offer voters. Let me ask you about overcrowded schools in Surrey. We'll be speaking about this later on the show. There has been an absolute explosion in the enrollment in Surrey. Schools just bursting at the seams. We got portables. The government now putting in modular buildings on school grounds to house these schools. The school district now sending, starting an online survey with parents saying, would you be willing to consider some ideas here? Staggered school days. So you'd have some kids going to school in the daytime and some kids going at night. You could have kids in class until 8 o'clock at night. Really, they've put this on the table. Summer school all year round, also on the table. Have a listen to Retinder Matthew here, a spokesperson for the Surrey School District. Some of our schools are so over capacity, we've actually closed in catchment. So you could move in right across from a school and you wouldn't be able to register your child there because the school is so over capacity. We've reached the point where we don't have any more space for students, so we need to look at some additional strategies. So some extreme strategies there, well, having kids know, in class you, until 8 o'clock. Yeah, well, you could argue we've been locked in this 9 to 3 model since day one, yeah. uh, which was based on agriculture, the harvest season, and, and farming, um, which is why the summer was always off. Yeah. July and August shut down for two Because the kids were working in the fields? Yeah, <laughs> in a lot of cases. That's yeah. where, the, that's where the, the school model came from. Yeah. And it hasn't changed. You know, anyone who's been the parent of a teenager... Uh, has had the experience of trying to get their kids up, you know, 7.30 in the morning to go to school when teenagers need a lot of more sleep as they're going through this growth spurt. So yeah. uh, not the first time uh, education reformers have advocated extending the school hours yeah. and having older kids go to school much later than early in the day. Yeah, It's a lot easier to get a kid who's 8 years old to school at 9 o'clock than a 14-year-old. Just taking a look at the enrollment growth of students in the Surrey School District, and Keith and I were just discussing this over the break. Before COVID, the average enrollment growth in Surrey was around 800 new students a year. The last couple of years has been closer to 2,500 new kids a year and that's, in Surrey. That's undoubtedly tied to the high record high immigration levels. Yeah. So BC's getting about 130,000, 150,000 new residents a year. Yeah. 90% of those settle in Metro Vancouver, uh, Greater Kelowna, or the Capital Region. Yeah. And then a big chunk of that, just naturally, would be in Surrey. Sure. So, yeah, that makes sense. And the school system not keeping up. Oh, hard to keep. I mean, that's the equivalent of two giant high schools. Uh, every year. Yeah, it's massive. It's bigger than people think, I, I think. Mean, giant. We're talking high schools at 1,200 kids. Yeah. You know, those are, those are the... And there's things. already like 80,000 students in Surrey. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's huge. It's okay, Peter in North Vancouver. Hi, Peter. Go ahead. Hey. Hi. So what we did is back in 1977, when I was going to high school, some, some uh, arsonist torched our school, burned it to the ground. So what we did was they moved us all into... Uh, Balmoral, they just did split shift. Went from 7 a.m. till noon, and then uh, Balmoral students went from from 1 o'clock till 6 o'clock, just compressed school days. 
and then halfway through the uh, semester or whatever, third in January, then about March we flipped it around. So the at the other shift. Yep. And how did that work? How good. did that work out for you? It worked out well. Well, we had the uh, afternoon shift in January, so and then in the come springtime we shifted to the morning. So we were out of school at noon, and we had the rest of the day to ourselves. It was awesome. <laughs> okay, so, thank uh, you. Some some districts do that yeah. already. Um, hmm. I'm not sure about six o'clock, but I do know some students start very early and are finished uh, relatively early as well. Yeah. But sitting to eight o'clock, that of course oh. also has implications for the teachers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, here comes the teachers' union now. BCTF, I think, would have yeah. something to say about. That. Yeah, for sure. Stephen in Burnaby. Hi, Stephen. Go ahead. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, if Kevin Falcon, I think, was smart, he'd walk over to the BC Conservatives and say, look, I need you because of the Pierre Polyev wave, and I need your name, and we need to stop splitting the vote on the right. Uh-huh. Yeah. That would be a true united party. Those... And if we took the BC Conser- or the Conservative that... name, we could ride Pierre Polyev's wave. That ship has sailed. You yeah. think so? Uh, the animosity between John Rustad yeah. and Kevin Falcon is... Kind of from Rustad's point of view, is almost palpable. Um, he attacks Falcon in the radio ad that yeah. airs on NW yes. name, by name. Uh, he's on Twitter attacking Kevin Falcon by name. He feels very uh, much uh, quite bent out of shape of being expelled from caucus by Kevin Falcon. He taunted Falcon on Twitter a couple of days ago yeah. about suddenly adopting his idea of fighting climate change when that was the very issue he was kicked out of the caucus for. Yeah. So, uh, no, I don't see that happening. I kinda, think there's, I think makes, there's too much bad blood. Kind of makes sense, though. Uh, strategically, if they did a merger, they could call themselves uh, United Conservatives. Just uh, merge the two parties. Yeah, that's not right? a bad idea. We're, we're still waiting for this, this uh, rebranding campaign. That's coming Which, now. Like, it's coming. From BC United. From BC United. Yeah. <clears throat> Not sure how it's going to work. Yeah. that's that. They say that is coming now to try and get some more traction and recognition with people. Let's go to Kevin in Surrey. Hi, Kevin. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I live in Surrey. I've got a child in school there, and we, we just had, you know, a poll go around with a variety of ideas of how to, you know, mitigate this problem. My child is in the second largest by students uh, elementary school in Surrey at over 750. Whoa. And I'm, I'm not for any of it. I mean, I, I know you can build a school inside of two years. And our other problem is the provincial government won't build schools unless students are already there. And that idea is really holding us back. It's holding back places like Langley as well that have massive issues with huge amounts of people moving in there. And all I am for in any of these ideas is building new schools. Um, And I don't think you'd get the BCTF uh, easily in line or the Surrey Teachers Association uh, in line to be doing these these time ideas, you know, um, no, they'll want something. They'll want something in return. Thank you for the call. Thirty seconds. Well, something in return could be a premium wage level. Yeah, I think so. You work. You work past three o'clock. You get paid more. Shift deferential. Shift deferential. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. Okay. Thank you, Keith. All right.